from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's Tiny House Podcast. I'm Perry. Ouch. This is Michelle. <laughs> clapping hands. And this is Mark. And uh, wow, uh, we have, the last time we did a show, you were heading out, Michelle, to someplace outside of Portland. Where were you going? <laughs> not, I not just flew back last night from seven days of me and my rental car in upstate Vermont. Vermont, oh yes. And included Vermont. in that seven days was three days of tiny house summer camp. Mm. Off-grid, treehouse, bourbon drinking. Vermin drinking? I thought that's what she said. Vermin vermin drinking. Drinking. I don't understand. But there was vermin. The reason why I said ouch is because my left wrist is is um, not doing very well. So. Too much hammering or something like that. I was going to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Wow. I was something like that. It was so fun. <clears throat> awesome. Lots of people there. Uh, I think there was like fifty participants. Um, I think there was like fifty staff. No, just kidding. I think there was maybe ten people. <laughs> 10 chiefs and 50 Indians. Uh, we had probably, I think, four different build projects going on. One of them was a tiny house on a trailer that everybody was getting together and, and starting the build on that. And then three smaller treehouse projects. One of the treehouse projects was actually from scratch. Are you familiar with the video game Firefox? The very no. old video game Firefox, where they have that kind of triangular, very, very antiquated, triangular-shaped uh, spaceship. Um, no. So the new treehouse looks like that. Okay. There you go. So for those of you tiny, tiny House Podcast listeners who un- know what she's talking about, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the hell she's talking about. Yeah, so I also had an opportunity to speak in the most unique amphitheater and the most unique venue. Um, we had this natural moss covered amphitheater scenario that was really fun it was nice. great it was really tiring as you can imagine um yeah and and it, it was not pretty all the pictures are really really dark which is good because me off grid for four days oh it's just not a pretty no look. power no water no power no water luxury. no bathrooms no. wow um, we were all literally hmm. eating granolas eating granola <laughs> sleeping in tree houses um, everything was Wipe was hand tools. Yeah, <laughs> there's a we were building with with raw tools, so no pneumatics, no wow power tools. Wow, we ha- we should probably get the organizer of that event on a show. Yeah, we should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was a ton of fun. Shout out to Deke Diedrichson and his staff. Um, it was a great event. It was well worth the time. I decided to take some personal time before and afterwards to sort of travel the state of Vermont. And even after seven days, um, and even after being away from everybody, I was not in a hurry to come back. Vermont is absolutely stunning this wow. time of year. Okay. Well, we have some stunning guests this this episode also. <laughs> that wasn't an awkward transition. It at wasn't all. at all. From the other coast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now we return. We now return ourselves to the back to the West Coast. West Coast Live. We have um, Nick and Pat from California Tiny House Company. Nick, Pat, welcome. Hey, how's it going, guys? going good how's Very it going good. there so um <clears throat> what's at the top of your agenda today tiny homes and it's okay and so um tell tell us so the first thing that i the first question i have for you is what is it what's so 
we've interviewed a lot of tiny house builders. And so um, what is the unique aspect that you bring to the tiny house construction ecosystem? Well, uh, this is Nick. We, we kind of look at tiny houses a little bit differently than most, um, at least as far as I know, than most of the other builders. Reason being is when we first started this company in you know, 2014, we looked at some of the other builders that were currently doing it at the time. And, you know, my whole family, we're over six and a half feet tall. So and we're not small people by any means. And they just didn't work for us. You know, the, the lofts were awkward. The bathrooms, the ceiling height was too short. You know, kind of everything felt like it was catered to tiny, tiny people. Tiny people. Tiny house, tiny people. And so we kind of took a different approach to, you know, open everything up to where we could feel like we were in a space that was even though it's a very tiny house, to feel like it's much larger than it actually is. And that really ties in our designs that my brother and I do, um, input from my dad and all my other family members that are involved in the business. And uh, it, it ended up giving us a really unique product that's, I think, a little bit different than pretty much every other builder out there right now. Yeah, we're getting a lot of uh, input from people all over the world, actually, on our design concepts because we have a very livable tiny house uh, uh, for a plan and, and the way we we construct stuff it's livable and uh, that's why a lot of people are you know waiting in line to have us build something so when I built mine um, I used some of those same sort of livability um, ideals when I designed mine and when people walk into my tiny house that's one of the first things they say ironically is it's so big. I used a lot of the feng shui techniques that talk about flow of light and energy and place window placement and so forth. So was this just kind of a practical approach or did you have any science behind it or design experience? So how do you go about um, designing a house like that that starts that that looks bigger than it really is? Well, it, it's I mean, when you really break it down, it's, it's all about design. Now, 99% of the homes that we build are catered 100% to each customer's needs. So we actually do a lot of research. I mean, I have months and months of homework. I give every single customer prior to building their house. So I know exactly how they live, where it's going to be placed, what direction you know they're primarily going for so I can get cross breeze and proper lighting. And my brother is an absolute expert at, um, he's an interior designer. You know, and then a professional photographer. So he's got a great eye for what's going to look good when it's actually placed, you know, in the Santa Cruz Hills or in Humboldt County or San Diego. He knows, you know, what direction the light's going to come in best in their specific location. And then even furthermore, you know, we, we build specific to their height, you know, to their, to whatever they need, you know. So if we have very tall customers, We'll build a staircase and a landing to where they can actually stand up and then just sit right into their bed, whether they're six foot four or five foot two. Yeah, that's a cool design concept we've seen in a couple of different designs. I love that trend. Yeah. The, so let me understand your, um, your family and how it interacts with the company there. Uh, so Pat and Nick, you guys, are you guys brothers? No, uh, actually, it's a father. And People say brothers all the time. Yeah, because I look so young, yeah, uh, not really. Anyway, <laughs> the, the, I have five sons. Um, every one of them is involved. My oldest son is a uh, uh, engineer for Apple. 
he does our website and has optimized it. The next one down is Scott, like Nick said. He's a designer, photographer. He does all our shoots. He does uh, all our video. And he, uh, him and Nick work together on all the designs. Of course, Nick and I are partners. Uh, Nick runs the crew. Um, uh, and uh, the next one down is Tyler. He's 25. 25. He actually does all our technical work, all our uh, high-end finish work, and he runs uh, the, uh, the guys in the shop. Uh, I actually have my 17-year-old. He just graduated from high school. Uh, he's down here for the summer before he goes to college, and he uh, he helps out uh, too. And my wife's real supportive, so it's a it's a complete family-run business. Yeah, my mom's the one who actually gave. Well, when we first started, you know, I obviously ran out of money because I didn't know what it took to actually start a business. So she's the one who actually supported me a lot, you know, provided me with a loan to get going and all that. So pretty much my entire family has has been a part and still is a part of this business. So how many, it, it, you've got a lot of people in your company. How many tiny houses do you sell in a, a, a any, um, any period? We build about two to three at once. And uh, we do we do about four to six weeks for each build for each house. So we're usually about a month and a half. We're taking out two or three of them. And what's your what's your back order? Uh, right now we're out to about the end of April of 2017. So 18, 20 houses on, on in the queue. We yeah. have about, I think we have about 15 or 16. I think we have 16 right now. So what's your scale? How do you scale and to the point where you can become the next uh, tumbleweed that, that's doing 12 a month? Um, well, you know, we're, we're not... We, don't, we aren't tumbleweed. Yeah, we're not going we're we're not, we're not to become the next tumbleweed. Yeah, we're not... We're <laughs> not and the reason I say that, you know, I have no, we have nothing against tumbleweed. Um, they're good guys. They're, they're more... You know, paper contractor. We're more hands-on, so we're never going to be able to build. You know, or well, I shouldn't say never, but not anytime soon are we planning on building. You know, twelve customs a month. It, it's just it's designing and and figuring out each custom piece of furniture is very time-consuming. Without having a, just a huge team, it would be very difficult. Um, we are though uh, here shortly. Um, releasing plans for sale, um, which is popular, and a lot of other builders are doing it. A neat thing about ours, though, is we've, um, we kind of partnered with our RV certification company and a really good insurance company to where we can actually sell plans for you know do-it-yourselfers to not only build their house, but do a self-certification program. And what's going to end up is they're going to have an RV certified house that they're going to be allowed to go into more RV parks, and in California, they're going to be allowed to actually sell the home. So that's one thing a lot of people on the West, uh, East Coast don't know is that California, it's illegal to sell a house that isn't RV certified, a tiny house on wheels. It's illegal to sell a tiny house that is not RV certified? Correct. Mainly for safety reasons. And that law was passed, uh, actually it was passed a couple of years ago, but they, they just brought it out uh, January of this year. And it's in the government codes and... Uh, Anybody can Google that uh, California, you know, uh, regulations in the code. It's interesting because the in 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 Oregon where we are, the uh, state is beginning to clamp down on entities selling tiny houses that adhere to the the Riva standard, 
um, because in in Oregon you can't live in a in a Riva certified dwelling. Um, well, the big the big movement now. Uh, <coughs> this is going across the nation. Uh, a friend of ours, Dan Fitzpatrick, was uh, was instrumental in, in in developing the code here for Fresno. Uh, they're about to pass a new ordinance in Ojai. He's working with about five other counties across the state. Oakland, and, L.A. And across the United States. And the movement right now is to have a backyard cottage uh, situation where you can put a tiny house in there and live in it and or rent it full time if you are ANSI certified, which is RVIA and uh, Pacific West Associates. So that's the movement right now. I know there's a, a couple other people that are trying to get to where it's a, you know, a, a regular building and as a standalone but I can't see that uh, happening for this, the, in the near future. No, Why not? Especially in California, the standalone buildings, it's just not going to happen. Why not? reason being, they, in order for a government to pass anything, they have to be getting something in return out of it. I mean, that's really what it breaks down to. And uh, because they're rolling units or mobile, they can't collect property tax on them. I, I don't see them finding a way to pass a, you know, a law basically that says you can live in a, we're only going to tax you on the property that you live on in this. Cause then, you know, I don't see why everyone wouldn't do it or they would just pull RVs in or, you know, something of that nature. Right. And who knows where this is going? I mean, this, yeah, we're, this, we're not this sure, kind but... of new, new uh, territory for everyone. So I think everyone's trying to get their, you know, their, their feet wet and, and figure out how this is going to work for everyone. I know there's a lot of people out with different proposals, but, uh, Right now, the the backyard cottage is definitely working, and uh, it's it's being adopted uh, in several places. Right on. So, and, you know, we're talking about an issue that's probably central to the whole movement at this point in terms of where this thing's going. Oh yeah. So I've challenged my local, um, you know, um, county uh, the city commissioner. Um, I've challenged them to come up with ways to. Um, tax or assess or permit tiny houses. So I think actually that's the best, that's the opportunity here is to challenge them to say, hey, we recognize you guys got to make money off of this. So have you talked, I mean, I, you were really successful again in getting this passed in Fresno. Um, how did you sell it, for lack of a better term, to Fresno? What's in it for them? Well, actually, Dan Fitzpatrick is, is a friend of ours that actually sold it, but the reason it sold is because there's no cost to the city whatsoever. The the land's already there, the roads are there, the fire departments are there, all the facilities for living are already there. So it's not like the urban sprawl where they have to develop new roads, new services to house these things. So it's the perfect solution for you know for um, uh, for you know affordable living because there's no cost to the city whatsoever. So that's one of the main reasons it passed. It doesn't cost a dime to the city. Well, for those of us who are unfamiliar with the, this code, why don't you give a uh, general overview of what is in what does the code say? Okay. Um, well, well, basically, what what happened here in Fresno is <clears throat> you can any pretty much any property that's six thousand square feet and or five thousand square feet for a corner lot is by right can add a second dwelling unit. Now, that doesn't have to be a tiny house on wheels. However, if you do it just a standard, you know, foundation-built backyard cottage, 
then you have permit fees, you have all that good stuff. Well, the tiny house on wheels is a cool solution because you don't have permit fees. You know, there's an application fee and obviously they have to figure out, you know, is, are the aesthetics going to work? Because they don't want a bunch of rundown tiny houses in the backyard of every house in Fresno. So they have to approve the way that it actually looks, which I think is a crucial, you know, factor in this whole bill that we have passed. Um, it's only going to make the movement stronger by having nicer, you know, houses, you know, placed. But basically what it allows you to do is if you're a property owner in Fresno, you can add one as a second dwelling unit. You can rent it out. You can have family members live in it. Or if you want to be the one, say you have this big five bedroom house and all your kids are gone off to college, you can actually move into the tiny house and then rent the main house. And people are doing that and literally living for free because they're, you know, houses are either paid off or they're renting it for more than their mortgage is. And then that payment pays off their tiny home. I mean, it's a brilliant solution that works really well. And we just hope that more people here, you know, grasp on and, and uh, start utilizing its benefits. So is, the, is, it, is it restricted to only one tiny house? What if someone wants to build a little community, put two tiny houses on their property? Correct. Yeah, it's restricted to only one. That way people aren't, you know, with acre lots here aren't, you know, starting RV parks basically in their backyard. So and no, matter, so no matter how big the property is, you can only put one. Correct. And then you have to be hooked into the house utilities. And plumbing. Uh, it's not a standalone plumbing and utility thing. So you're you're feeding off the house's uh, uh, electrical grid. You're uh, you're tied into the plumbing, and you're you're tied into the water supply. So uh, you know it's basically you're using the house's uh, you know utilities to run the thing. So it's not a standalone house. So you said that it doesn't cost the city anything. Um, and, and what I'm hearing between the lines, though, is that the benefit to the city is um, a better economy, a more diverse house space. You know, well, we started well, talking out about the fact that, we, you know, we can't tax them, we can't permit them. Um, and then we started talking about cost. So can you talk a little bit about, again, great, it doesn't cost them anything, which is great. But really, um, more succinctly, what are they what's the city getting out of all of this? Well, what? What they get out of it is they get more population here, which is spending more money locally, which goes to our local taxes and all that, without adding any cost. And like my dad said, you know, previously, you know, the infrastructure is already here. You know, we don't. You can add more population by adding backyard cottages without having to increase fire department. You know, we've had the local fire department. We've had our local ambulance companies down here to assess if someone's in danger or one of these is on fire, how do they put it out? You know, what's the best way to get in? How do they get somebody out of a loft bedroom, you know, in an emergency? How have, I, they, how have they answered that question? What's that? How have they answered that question? Because a lot of tiny house lofts, they don't have windows that you can get out of. Well, see, Which is totally scary. That's one of the things about being an RV certified company is you have to have an egress window in any sleeping area. Uh. So that's one of the things that was why that's why it's so important, at least in our mind and you know Fresno, you know jurisdictional mind, is that these things have to be safe. Yeah, most of the ANSI codes are 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 not to uh, bog down the systems; are basically for public safety. Windows have to be tempered. You know, half the bills out there don't have tempered windows. You have to have proper egress. That's a must. 
you have to check all the electrical, plumbing, and gas systems to make sure there's no leak. You have to have safety equipment, fire uh, extinguishers, smoke alarms, uh, carbon so, monoxide, yeah, the whole bit. So it, the whole the whole ANSI or the whole certification thing is primarily for customer safety. So th- is that Pat who just talked about customer safety? Was that you, Pat? Yes. Okay. How come he's not answering? Pat, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. Um, so Michelle, the so the they're talking about um, the safety of the of the structure according to this ANSI code. Is there is there a difference between the ANSI code that they're talking about and and Pat Nick, feel free to jump in here too, and the and the code that we talked about when we were coming back from the jamboree that was being. Um, the IRC. Yeah, the, is, is that, yeah, is that yeah. the one they were talking about? Um, so, yeah, what they're actually talking about. So the IRC or the ICC, again, Pat and Nick, you get to tell me whether or not I'm full of shit. Um, so the oh, I IR- think we know that ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew Morrison uh, very recently um, submitted a code that's at the federal level um, that has to deal with um, building codes according to what is a quote-unquote tiny house, what the definition, things like minimum room size and those kinds of things. The ANSI code, as I understand it, is sort of like the difference between strategy and tactical. The ANSI code, as I understand it, is much more tactical. It actually um, talks about the size of the actual inch by inch, the number of square inches you have to have in a window, in a loft, in order to be able to get out. How far does your um, CO2 detector have to be from the closest propane appliance? Um, Those kinds of things. So it's a really more hands-on, tactical, measurable, immediate kind of code. Is that correct, gentlemen? Kind of, yeah. And the the, the code that uh, Morrison is working on, basically, if you read what he proposed, it's basically having to do with lofts and ladders. Because uh, uh, he's proposing that the, the lofts and the ladder to get into the lofts meet the building codes, which is a, a rise and run uh, configuration. It's safety railing. Uh, it's that. But if you look at, at the actual code that he proposed to uh, to get this thing as a uh, federal um, building code approval, there's only about four or five items that they're trying to change. Um and we'll see where that goes. It would be great. It'd be wonderful for us if, if that thing passes, because that means we can build to those codes and people can put them anywhere. Right, so, but I uh, think I think that their their approach was you talk about you know is somewhat limited in what they were trying to accomplish. I think that approach was based on sort of two goals. Goal one was getting this done and getting this submitted. Um, within the very, very, very limited time frame that they that they were given, number one. And number two is I think that they and everybody sort of acknowledges that this is step one, right? Yep, Just yep. getting um, tiny houses, small structures, whatever you want to call them, onto the agenda. This is just step one, getting um, getting... Yeah, getting the feds to acknowledge them formally as a different type of residential structure. Yeah, we're just kind of yeah. going with the flow on this thing. You know, we're... What we're trying to do, we're trying to stay current with what the government is requesting. So whether it be following the National Building Codes, the ANSI Codes, the HUD uh, Codes, which are even different, uh, or the Park Model Codes, whatever uh, is, is up on the agenda is what our company wants to you know, strive to achieve so we can uh, better serve our customers. So I have a, I have a question uh, departure from the, the line of questioning that we're going right now because I know 
um, we're asking the question here in the studio, and I'm sure our, our audience is going to ask the same question. What's that noise going on in the background? I'm thinking bottle rockets. <laughs> yes. It's like, beep. Oh, yeah, that's a, a chop saw. Oh, that's what it is. If you have a door clo- you have a door open or a window open or we yeah, have it cut all doors and windows open. Okay, because we're getting that Must kind of background time. bottle rocket noise on our end. Yeah. So it just sounds like the Fourth of July. We're celebrating. We're celebrating. That's a good Happy Fourth. So getting back to the question about the about the firemen, how do you get someone out of a loft um, in case of a fire? Oh. Um, um, well. I don't know how much you guys know about ambulance companies and, and stuff like that, but um, they have a lot of really trick um, ways to do stuff. So even in like second stories, they have items called stair chairs, where it's basically a gurney that puts you in a seated, uh, seated position and walks downstairs. So mm-hmm. in a loft, it's going to be a little bit different. They're going to use you know backboards and kind of pass you off. <clears throat> off of the you know oh, edge yeah. of the loft, and then have people that can catch you at the bottom. So kind of like my laundry, I throw the laundry out of the loft, and it <laughs> hits the ground down below, and then I deal with it once it gets there. Good luck, you son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> laundry strapped to a very secure board, <laughs> gently down. Well, I was thinking of about five or six guys holding a sheet at the bottom and just jumping out the Jump, window. There you exactly. Go. <laughs> no, no, no. They have they have very. Uh, cool technology to get people out of staircases um and, and i we prefer staircases but but they have ways to do it so and that's and that's why they you know they ultimately want to come out is because they need to figure out you know if this becomes as popular as everyone thinks it's going to be they need to know how to do that and i think more jurisdictions around the nation need to start addressing that because it is a big concern i mean they are primarily wood and they will burn just like any other house. Um, people need to be safe. Another another reason for these code uh, these code uh, enforcements or the move towards them. We've seen tiny houses, and I've been in construction for over forty years. My son's been working with me, with me for about fifteen. We've seen some tiny houses and been in them that have not followed any of the safety codes. The wiring's not correct. No, no, no egress, no safety equipment, no roof structure, no roof structure. <laughs> I mean, we've seen them being built that, you know, if a, you know, a couple birds landed on the roof, the thing might cave in. <laughs> I mean, it's, um, that's, that's the whole reason behind some kind of a regulation to, to make these things safe and to have everyone on the same page. How do you build a roof without a roof structure? Well, you, you know can do what? like 24 on center with a two by four. We, we saw a, a lady. Uh, not, we don't. We don't go. We'll, we'll go gender on us, but we saw a person developing one that had absolutely no roof structure. I don't know what's holding the thing up. Uh, it was totally built out of code. It was like an inverted gable. Yeah, it was. It was. It was very strange. <laughs> or I mean, you could build something like with a 24 on center, a two by four, or something like that. That. You know, it may be holding up the roofing material itself, but has absolutely no ability no to hold up any load yeah. or has no really no structural value. Yeah. Um, of course, if they're not if they're not attached to the walls correctly, the eventual gravity will make the walls actually tip outwards. Um, oh, right. Those so, yeah, ceiling. we build ours. We build ours like a tank. These things are built much stronger than any conventional building, uh, you know, code here in Fresno. 
We have hurricane straps tied down. Everything's glued. Uh, uh, it's just not. We use screws to connect all our studs. Th these things are not coming apart. Yeah, any phase three natural disaster, and, and I mean that's how they have to be built, really, in order to withstand freeway speeds um, in windy areas. I mean you're. You're out in, you know, Arizona or something, driving across the desert. There's high winds there. You know, you're also driving at 55 miles an hour. Who drives yeah. at 55 miles an hour? If you're driving. <laughs> if you're towing a tiny house. If you're towing a 13,000-pound, 13,800-pound tiny house like mine that's 24 feet long, you'd be lucky if you hit 50. <laughs> and that's another thing. We also build our houses heavy. You know, a lot of everyone, it, look, it seems to me anyways, that like most hummer. people are trying to go lightweight everything lightweight lightweight and i and i'm not 100 percent sure i understand why you know they're they're heavy but they're not moved like a travel trailer you know these things are big massive houses and you want them to last a long time a heavy house is going to be better in the wind it's going to be better longevity wise as far as snow loads and you know everything a sturdy heavy house i think is much much far superior than uh Something built as lightweight as possible. Where that do you get seems your, like it's going more towards the RV, RV trailer yeah. standards? We we're gonna. Uh, I was gonna ask how, where you guys get your trailers from. We uh, have we, our own manufacturer. Yeah, we have our own. Manufacturer. We we engineer them for for uh, maximum width. Our whole thing is trying try to get as much interior width. Our interior width on our all our houses seven and a half feet is eighty eight inches. Which if you start measuring other people's bills, if they can get uh, eighty, they're lucky. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're, we're, we're at full, we don't believe in a lot of, uh, eve and overhang, uh, because we want to use the space inside where it's important. Everyone's adding awnings and porches and, you know, all this good stuff to them anyway. So, so I've tried, I've tried to look at your website so I could see some of what you're talking about. And I think I might be on the wrong place. What's your website? CaliforniaTinyHouse.com. And then you can go to our uh, page that says build photos and there's probably 200, photos on there of recent uh yeah we're on facebook and instagram instagram is the best way to see current builds and pictures and stay updated with kind of everything got it that's just uh hashtag california tiny house i was on the wrong website when i was um when i was designing my house and when i talked to people about the design of tiny houses in general um, I always tell people that the tiny houses need to be able to withstand a hurricane and an earthquake simultaneously. Wow. Yes. Um, That's nice. a lot of rock and roll. Yeah, that is. When yeah. the flood comes in, you're able to pull it out. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, well, that's true. They're good for flood, too, at least the that's first true. 20 inches yeah, or so. Exactly. <laughs> uh, at least the first 20 inches. Um, the only downside of that sort of build is you're not going to get the thing rocking. So no one, so everyone will keep coming. <laughs> I don't know. I just got my new washing machine on spin cycle. And, <laughs> and even though my house is actually leveled and blocked, it's not sitting on the wheels. It's leveled and blocked. And you would still be amazed at how that house moves just really? from the spin cycle in a washing machine. <laughs> is it, is it a, a ventless one? No, it's vented. Oh, good. It's not an all in one. Um, I got a traditional stacked, um, uh, I got Are you just on uh, trailer, uh, the trailer jacks themselves, or are you, uh, did you actually put, uh, 
some cement piers or something under your frame. Actually, cement piers are evil. I put, um, but it's blocked. So I'm blocked on all four corners and laser leveled with actually wood. I call them Jenga. Um, they're <laughs> Jenga blocks. So I started with four by fours and then you go down to two by fours and then one by fours and then you use shims um, actually in six positions under the trailer. So it's not on the jacks, it's not on the wheels and it is actually laser leveled um, and constantly adjusted as well. See, for us, I Personally, I like to have it sitting just a little bit on the wheels as well because it gives you a little bit more cushion, especially in California. We have earthquakes and stuff. So, but I mean, er everyone's different. Yeah, no, I know. Um, but my girlfriend of mine just had hers actually delivered and um, the people that delivered it and the manufacturer didn't level it. So now I got to go over there and show her how it's done. So there you go. That'll be fun. Friends, what it's all about. Tell her to buy you some pizza. Oh, that's the least of what she's going to be buying over the next couple of months while we get settled. So you guys, you guys mentioned earlier that that uh, a lot of people are going to be doing this, and I presume you're talking about living in tiny houses. Do you really think that the that the movement is going to suck in a large number of people to live in these tiny houses, or are are tiny houses appealing to a certain type of people while the rest of the mainstream, let's say, are going to remain living in the more standard? type of house well that is a very interesting question mm -hmm. are tiny houses for everyone no uh not everyone wants to live in a tiny house my wife wouldn't will never let me live in one so neither I will mean, my wife there, there's certain people that, that it's just not going to work for now for me personally because my wife like i said won't let me live in one what i can do is use them as vacation homes and that i think that's a, a one of the best solutions, you, you know, uses for a tiny house, because one, you can buy, you know, small pieces of property in it's really nice locations. Two, it's legal. Yeah, leave a house there. Recreational property mm -hmm. here in Oregon, you can do it with recreational property. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm exactly. And what I'm it's, a, about. it's a win-win. So then, you know, I'd like to get a few throughout the nation because we've got family, you know, in Colorado and Florida, and that way we have a place of our own to stay, and you know. Airbnb it or something like that throughout the rest of the year. Right on. Those are the people that are actually making the big bucks in this industry are the people that are opening up the, the their homes for Airbnb or the, the little, little tiny house hotels. We have an, we have a brand new tiny house hotel actually opening up here in Portland. Um, yes. Caravan is booked out nine months in advance. Um, and so now we, we have another tiny house uh, hotel actually getting set up here. So those are the people that are really making bank. I mean, 150 bucks a night times six houses. And you know why they're making mm -hmm. money? It's because it's almost impossible to find a tiny house for people who are interested in wanting to live in one to rent for a weekend. Yeah. Because right. the only people buying them are buying it to live in. You know, and that's what's interesting is I, we get customers calls at least four or five times a week asking if we know anywhere that rents them so they can because they want to stay in it for a week to see if they can do it. You know, and I, I just wish there was more people, you know, using them kind of as an investment so that it give these customers opportunity to actually stay in one and then, you know, be potential clients in the future. So what do they do? Do they like fly to some place where they can rent one or what, what are your answers for them right now? Right now, I don't have a whole lot. <laughs> not in Fresno, because I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. You know who all rents these things. Really? I you know I tell them there's there's you know stuff in. I know there's tiny house hotels opening up. And we know if like Ford Hood has four or five tumbleweeds on it. Uh, there's a, mm -hmm. a Mikasa that has. A, I don't know how many. The, it's a little 
uh, like a big breakfast. And, and then there's a little spot in Vegas that has some too. Yeah. But the problem is the, all these places are so booked out because of that exact reason. Yeah. You know, there's, too, there's so much interest in tiny houses right now and so few that are available to people. And, and the movement really hasn't completely uh, got dialed in 100% because in Fresno two years ago, we could ask 20 people or we could tell 20 people we build tiny houses. <coughs> Maybe one person even had a clue as what they were. Now, if we tell 20 people in Fresno that we build tiny houses, we might get half that know what they are. So there's a big section of the population that, that's not even aware that these things exist yet. So, Last night. Yeah, Sorry. It's, uh, this thing is just on the, 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 the beginning the wave of, 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 of a new movement and uh, something that I think is going to be around for a while, uh, whether it be uh, uh, rentals, uh, vacation homes, uh, uh, backyard kiosks, uh, or God whatever. Yeah. There's a, we've had people approach us about uh, floating uh, tiny houses on the lake on pontoons. We have another <laughs> wow. company talking to us about uh, building a surf camp uh, and putting uh, yeah, putting. Let's not talk too much about that. Get the lawyers. Of, uh, casinos. Uh, talk to us about uh, raffling one off, you know, because they bring people. I don't know. You know I'm sure you people are aware. You put a tiny house anywhere, and, and it's like flies and, and on honey. They're, they're they're thick. We brought one to the Fresno Home Show a few years ago, and in three days we had like six thousand people go through it. It was like a clown car. <laughs> so um, they they draw a lot of attention. Yeah, they do. Last night I took a flight from D.C. back here to Portland. So it was almost a six-hour flight, fully, totally booked, huge 737. The default entertainment on the little screens at every every chair, you know, the default entertainment was Tiny House Nation. Wow. So you Hmm. could stand in the back of the plane and you could see literally hundreds and hundreds of people because they didn't want to pay the seven dollars and ninety nine cents for their own, you know, entertainment. <laughs> so you can see hundreds of people watching Zach and John and building tiny houses. I thought that was kind of really interesting. And then, of course, I had to pull out the cool factor. So the lady next to me was was watching intently, and I called up a picture of me and Zach on my cell phone, <laughs> <laughs> and I showed it to her, and like, yeah, we're friends. <laughs> Just so you know. Actually, been approached by the yeah, he's, he's the, a nice guy. The TV we talk uh, a couple times to try to get in here, but. Uh, uh, so far, it hasn't worked out. Yeah, we get approached by every uh, state fair, every you name it, across the across California. Well, actually, across the Western United States. But our problem is we don't have a uh, a model to showcase right now. We're too busy building custom. So hopefully, what? hopefully down the road we'll have something we can bring around. We actually have a tiny house builder from Belgium coming to visit us today. Today, yeah, yeah wow. he's a, a tiny house. Uh, well, Belgium tiny house company. It's a big, big company over in Belgium, and they have a, a twelve thousand square foot house. They build like three or four at a time. If you Google them or look them up, uh, you'll see that they they build some pretty sweet stuff. It's a um, a, a young uh, gentleman that owns it, and he has a, a about a twenty man uh, crew. Wow. So he's coming to. Uh, he has some business in California, but he wanted to come by and uh, take a look at our company, and then talk to us about you know what we do here in in, in Fresno. So tomorrow we're 
most likely eating waffles. <laughs> oh, you, you got there before uh, I did. That's nice. <laughs> Good so, so I'm curious, you guys, you know, you have so much demand for your houses. Like you said, a lot of people are calling and asking. There's some tacos tonight or something, and, uh, you know, Fresno mop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, uh, so people don't live or don't get a chance to visit a tiny house and yet they're continually, you know, you guys have a good little back order going. Are people well, just deciding to kind of throw caution to the wind and. Well, keep in mind, even though we don't have models, to, we don't have a, a model that we take around. Every customer that we have has seen a previous customer's tiny home or they've been in our shop. We well, have yeah. probably five to 10 people per week come by to look at this stuff. Okay, nice. So, yeah, we have, uh, and I don't know how many phone calls. So they're just touring. They're not staying in them or, or staying the weekend or something like that. But, yeah, so they're just kind of jumping in both feet um, regardless of the, the mm -hmm. lack of sort of. They've, they've seen us on Facebook or on Instagram. We have a pretty large following on both of those media. Uh, or they visit our website. Our website, uh, I'm not, I don't know. Um, a lot about website traffic, but our new IP hits per day uh, exceeds uh, eighteen hundred every day. We have uh, since we've opened some our website, like ten thousand. Know, like wow! Website since we've opened it up uh, a couple years ago is is over a million dollar, a million a million views so far. So it gets a lot of traffic. So the interest is definitely on the rise, and it's not it's <laughs> not because and it's not because they're looking for our company. Our name is California Tiny House, so when they Google anything that has to do with California, we're going to come up. So what do, what are you guys um, expecting with so let me back up. So the we like I said, we've talked with a lot of builders, and some of them have really struggled to find a way to be profitable with their business. To do, to do what? Sorry, be, be profitable to make money. Oh, oh, yeah. And so, what do you guys um, foresee? I, I know that you you're saying that we're at the beginning of this movement. And you see some up upside potential in terms of people wanting to live in these things. Um, and I, I think you said you had five sons, Pat, working with you. Um, what do you? How is it that you're able to do this in a way that apparently some people aren't, in with regard to making money doing this? Experience. Yeah, it's well. When I, we think it's it's just experience. You know, we've got a a good eye for design. <clears throat> we, we put out a very nice quality product, and we don't. It doesn't matter if it's a you know a forty thousand dollar house or a hundred thousand dollar house. You get the same build quality either way. You know, it's just different size, different materials, you know, all that good stuff. My whole company was based on quality. Uh, me and Nick, uh, me and myself, probably installed over 400 kitchens. That's a lot of kitchens. 300 probably, bathrooms. Probably 300 bathrooms. When it comes to kitchens and bathrooms, it's a no-brainer. I've done, I, I put in very, uh, very lot of them. So uh, we're really, uh, and, and as far as, and we do all the work ourselves. So we have trained um, ourselves over the years. I used to build houses and had subs, some contractors, but I didn't like the quality of work, so I started learning the trades. We do all the trades in-house. We don't have to hire plumbers. We don't have to hire uh, electrical people. Mm. We don't have to hire finished carpenters. We do it all. And and we we have people that work for us that are good in, in, in those areas. So we're able to put a product together a little faster and uh, a little more efficient than maybe some of the other companies. I don't know. I don't know what the I don't know what the the answer is to that. 
Are you guys planning to be in this for the long term? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, we absolutely love it. It's it's so fun to build these things. Especially when you get to think of unique ways to do stuff. I mean, you'll see on this next house that we'll post, we came up with, you know, all sorts of really cool storage, you know, places for storage. Um, you know, whether it be, you know, rolling closets that, you know, hide away with additional storage for that's one thing people don't think about is where am I going to put my suitcases? You know, everyone has suitcases. Everyone travels at some point in time, you know, or most people do anyways. But those are big things, big items that you don't really have anywhere to put in a tiny house. So thinking about storage options and solutions for stuff like that is key. And we have we have some pretty cool ideas on this, this next house that you guys will see on our Instagram. Has anyone ever asked you to do something in a custom build that you've said, we just can't do that? Uh, yes. Good question. Oh, yeah. What, what, it, what was it? It's usually designed. It's usually and, something um, really crazy. Like well, what? We had a, um, a customer a while back who, who wanted a bathroom that was, what was it, like two feet wide? Well, it was like two feet wide. Between her bathtub and her... You had to step over her toilet to oh, get wow. to... Oh, wow. And then you had to step into her tub, you know, from the end. She and it was nine unsafe. Inch, nine inches of clearance between her, her sleeping area and her bathtub. And so her solution was to crawl over the back of the tub to get into the toilet area. And uh, <laughs> said, no, we're, we're not. we've had people come to us with plans, and they're all fancy, and they're all, you know, look like they're drawn by pros. Notice that the shower is only 22 by 24 inches. We won't build that. You can't get in a shower that's 24 by 22 inches. I can't even fit through the door. Yeah, unless you just <laughs> fuck it on your head or something. <laughs> There's a lot of um, design you also, know, things weight, that we won't do. Yeah, like weight distribution. Uh, we're really concerned on tongue weight and uh, being able to tow these things efficiently. So a lot of people don't understand that you have to balance your trailer out to where these things work. Yeah. I was but, expecting like mirrors on the ceiling or round windows. We don't say we can't do a whole lot. So, yeah. You just say that's going to be extra. Yeah. <laughs> the mirrors will be extra. No, but we, yeah. we come up with a lot of neat, you know, we've had customers ask us to build full custom couches that convert to bed that have storage and, you know, Beds that, you know, trundle beds under raised kitchens. This last one we built has a 48 by 38 inch tile shower with mm -hmm. a glass enclosure. It's it's gigantic. It's bigger than the one I have at the house. Wow. Yeah. It uses, you know, silicone grout and all that stuff to prevent cracking. And, wow. You know, they, every customer has, you know, is different. Every person is different. And that's why building custom homes is nice because you can literally tailor an entire house to one specific person. And with enough time spent with them and questions that I, we, my brother and I ask them, you know, we can design a house that's, you know, they walk in or wake up the first night and they feel like this has been their house forever. Wow. You know, and that's kind of what we want. And another thing that allows us to do is put a little, some extra, you know, extra treatment in. We always add a little extra, uh, always something, you know, that they didn't expect. And, and that's kind of fun to see yeah. their, to see their, uh, you know, uh, to see their, you know, their enthusiasm when they see something that they weren't expecting that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Like we've added some uh, very neat uh, amenities and some of our bills. Well, Pat and Nick, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. It was very nice talking with you about the code in California, about your builds and your customers and 
everything else in between. And even Whoa. the chop saw added a nice little yeah. ambiance to mm-hmm. the menu. I smell smoke. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, tune in next time, listeners. We're going to be talking with a, an interesting guest who I have no who idea who that is. Who is, who it, is Mark? it? It's Lisa Flynn from Bend, Oregon, with oh. beautiful Rex. I'm not going there. Where my mind just went. What is what is beautiful Rex? What is that? They, Don't know. They, oh. they, not my guest. Yeah, they designed. Um, they bought a junky old Airstream, um, put a little bit of money into it, and would drive around within 25 miles of Bend. And then set it up for people to come in and rent. Oh. It'd be like Adirondack chairs, thing full of beer, blah, blah, blah. And then finally somebody bought it from them. And uh, Tony Shea from Las Vegas heard about it because he had the tiny house development in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And the Airstreams he bought were just all too plain. Mm. So they came in and kind of made him beautiful Rex. Oh, wow. So Rex, W-R-E-C-K. Yes. yes. All right, cool. Well, we'll be talking with that person on the next show. Till then. Till then. See ya, be ya. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs>